0: Hi everybody. Hello. Thank you for coming. Um, my name is Justine Clark. I'm from Parlour and I'm very delighted to be here tonight to launch Marion's List, a project which has been uh, some years in the making, so it's a great relief to have it live. Um, it wouldn't have seen the light of day without my friend and collaborator Peter Johns of Butter Paper. Is, where's Peter? Uh, He's on his way. Anyway, Peter's super fabulous, as you probably already all know. So, Marion's List is the latest initiative in Parlour's wider project to make space for, for the women of Australian architecture and to move towards a more equitable and robust profession. Marin's List has got two aims. The first is to broaden the image of what an architect looks like and does and to introduce the many women active in Australian architecture and the built environment. So not only registered architects, um, although, of course, also. uh, So everyone active in in, in the wider profession. The second aim is uh, quite practical. It's to provide a resource for those looking for expert commentary or input, or wanting to involve a wider range of people in architecture's public culture, in talks, in panels, on juries, teaching crits, and much more. I never again want to hear, we asked a woman, but she wasn't available. There's now no excuse. (laughs) So, but for Marion's List to work, you all need to be involved. Uh, it's really easy to upload a profile. Um, Peter and I have worked quite hard to make it easy. If it's not, let us know. Karen can do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, there's some cards floating around which have got the URL on it. Um, I've got more in my bag, so if you don't have one, come and get one from me or from Jill Matthewson, our fabulous comrade in the middle there. Mm-hmm. Um But we also need you to help us spread the word to your colleagues, your friends and your professional networks. We really need people to pick this up and run with it. So tonight, um, to help launch Marin's List, we've got two fabulous guest speakers, Amy Mullins and Karen Burns. After that, we've got a short announcement from Amy Muir on behalf of the Australian Institute of Architects, and then we'll hand over to Helena Bubica of AWS, our fantastic events partner, the people who are supporting the bar and the wine and um, Parlour's event program, and we love working with them. So I'd like to start by introducing Amy and Karen. Amy, on the left, (laughs) is Executive Director of the Women's Leadership Institute of Australia, an organisation that seeks to increase women in leadership and to create solutions to achieve gender-balanced representation, so very similar aims to ours across a much broader field. Amy developed and runs the Women for Media project, which is another online resource to increase the voice and presence of women as experts in public discussion. She's an advisor to the Male Champions of Change program and a member of the Advisory Committee for the Pathways to, politics for Women, Pathways to Politics for Women program at the University of Melbourne. Amy also writes and speaks about politics and public policy, and I think it's well worth hunting down her writing and reading it. And she has a really good Twitter account. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Karen Burns, my friend and parlour comrade. I'm sure many of you know her well. Karen's an architectural historian and theorist with a long-standing interest in feminist theory and activism. In 1990, she co-founded E1027, the Women's Architecture Collaborative, and um, three years ago, she co-founded Parla, Women Equity in Architecture, with us. With Laurie Brown, Karen is co-editing a forthcoming global dictionary and en- encyclopedia, global encyclopedia of um, women architects and Karen is also a fantastic educator who's had a hand in teaching many of the city's architects and uh, she now teaches in architecture at at the University of Melbourne so Amy
2: (laughs) yeah take it away (laughs) okay I think it's on you can all hear me excellent okay so Um, I'd just like to acknowledge the elders, um, the traditional elders of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to the elders past, present and future. Um, It's a pleasure to be here and I have known Justine for quite a long time and I remember when I first started in my role about three and a half years ago, I met up with her and was so inspired by her energizing um, nature and demeanor and her absolute dogged commitment (laughs) to see more women in leadership in architecture and more broadly so I was very inspired and I was absolutely certain you'd be successful so and uh, you know proof is in the pudding and we're here today so congratulations to Justine and Karen and the rest of the parlor team for such an amazing initiative that I always point people to as best practice in this space so well done. And also a beautiful website Um, and Marion's list is just gorgeous too. Um, So when we're talking about leadership, uh, we often think, subconsciously about men. Uh, That's kind of the image that comes to mind. That's the stereotype that exists is that leadership is male and it has male traits. Um, And when I was looking up Google um, a while ago and this was in the media and I checked for myself that when you type in CEO, the first 38 images of men, white men um, of a certain age and uh, the 39th image is of CEO Barbie. (laughs) So she's not human uh, and it takes a while. You have to keep scrolling down to find an actual breathing um, female CEO. So it just goes to show just how pervasive this subconscious um, understanding of leadership and the societal norms and behaviours that we expect of women and that we expect of men. And so, you know, that is the whole reason why we've had these initiatives is to actually um, combat the stereotypes that are prevailing and to create a new norm so, um a couple of the key things that I think this these initiatives, such as ours and this is um, and parlors, Marian's list, is that it's all about fixing the system. It's not about fixing the women. There's nothing wrong with the women. The women are fantastic. Uh, There's plenty of them, as you say. They're they're not missing. Um, They're very confident. They want to contribute, Um, but we need to actually give them a voice and make sure that uh, men are giving them a voice and sharing the stage with them just as much as um, the women helping other women, which they do. Um, The other thing is that as I say, increasing visibility does challenge the stereotypes that we have. And that's one thing that I've certainly seen in the work that we've been doing. And I'm very heartened to have seen a lot of great results in the last couple of months, which I'll just briefly share with you. So, Just a little background um, on how we got to this issue of women's visibility in the media and at conferences and sharing their expertise. I actually met Carol on Twitter. Carol's our founding chair at Women's Leadership. And um, she's been... This has been her core passion, is about getting more women in the financial review, in the Australian, in anything where they're not and they should be, which is pretty much everywhere. So... We met on Twitter and we were like, where are the women? There are plenty of women, but we see this article and it's four pages worth and it's CEOs predict the trends for the coming year and it's just page after page of men and their images and only three women out of about 30 different people who were interviewed and we just went, this isn't reflective of reality. You need to do something about it. And the journalist actually had no clue that he hadn't included women. He wasn't thinking about it, it wasn't really a big concern to him. Um, he thought, oh, well, you know, I asked the two or three women who are CEOs of the ASX100, so my job was done, you know. Um, so that's the kind of prevailing attitudes that we were dealing with at the beginning and still, to some extent, deal with now. Um, But we also did a lot of research into what is the kind of state of play in terms of women leaders and women in general sharing their expertise. And the last study we did in 2013 showed that overall across all topics in major metropolitan newspapers, uh, spokespeople accounted, or female spokespeople accounted for 20% of all news coverage. And then, so that does include health, education, politics, the economy. And then if you drill deeper into business, it was actually 14% female uh, spokespeople or experts in business and 4% in finance, which was the lowest. Um, And the highest was, I think it was health, and that was still under 50%. So women weren't even equal in something that is traditionally female-dominated. So that's one of the things that we've been dealing with at the moment and we've got a new research report out next week, which we're excited to share, which will delve even deeper into the various disparities in certain topic areas and hopefully that'll be useful to you guys as well. Um, so one of the things that we did introduce, as um, Justine's mentioned, is Women for Media, which was a database that we wanted to use. So journalists didn't have the excuse, well, you know, they're just not there. Oh, well, women can't talk about innovation. I can't find any or, you know, there aren't that many women CEOs. Well, actually, there's plenty. Um, there's also women chairs and women board directors and women principals and partners, Um at all levels of leadership and below there's plenty of women in every sector so that was what we had hoped was to have that excuse knocked away we still get it um, so it's a, a long-term goal <laughs> but the thing that has changed is that journalists are using it so i really hope and i will be directing them to be using your list um, and certainly it's definitely needed in the property sector and i know that a lot of people have been working towards that recently um, So a couple of things that have happened recently from the work that we've been doing, which hopefully means that, you know, this momentum that we've seen build and is coming through your database will mean that we'll see it even, you know, grow and grow, is that uh, you might have seen in The Age, there was an op-ed from Dan Ziffer, who is the producer at John Fane's morning show on ABC, which is my favourite show apart from Triple R. So, you know, I grew up with John Fane. I didn't realise that there weren't that many women being interviewed on John Fane's show, Uh, so there's my unconscious bias. Um, But I met up with Dan and Harriet, his other producer, and I said, oh, you know, well, it's very important to have gender balance. They're like, oh, well, it's really hard to get women in there, you know, because... We try, but there's a lot of guys who are like the head of um, state emergency services, who's the head of the police, who's head of this and that, and, you know, you can't really put a woman in a woman in there. And um, I said, oh, no, that's just not good enough. Um, you know, <laughs> you can't just have one or try your best. You have to set a target. You have to measure yourself against your target, make sure you've got strategies in place to achieve it, and report on it and be transparent about how well you're going or not very well you're going. And I had no clue what they were going to do after that, and but I just knew that they were very, you know, progressive people who got the message. Um, and then they came back to me and said, gosh, we really did have very few women and this is just insane. We need to have 50-50. And I was like, wow, amazing. <laughs> This is the first time someone said that to me from the media. So I was very excited. And uh, they came back and they were measuring their progress and they got to 30% and then they got to 40% and they kept sending me their numbers every couple of months to be like, hey, Amy, just so you know, this is where we're at. And I was like, keep going. Um, So I was, I guess, the police and the two squad. And uh, yeah, only uh, under a month ago, they reached 50% um, of interviewees being female and they're still maintaining that uh, now. And so he wrote an op-ed about their journey and the fact that it's absolutely not acceptable to have anything less than 50-50 because that is the population Um, and that it's not women's fault um, and that we really do need to actually take action on this and own it Um, and so that's the best thing I've seen in the whole time that I've been working on this issue. And it really got me excited about the appetite for change. I know it's the ABC, so, you know, if they're going to do it, like they're the ones, but, um, yeah, the SBS has reached out. We've got another one. Um, and Fairfax, not so great. Yeah. News Corp also not that great, which you'll find out next week. Um, but, yeah, that, that was so great. The other flip side of that is conferences and panels, and we all know about a manel, uh which is just fantastic. You can go to allmalepanels.tumblr.com and really enjoy that. I have made a, quite a few submissions myself. Um, and this is one of the things where you see conference after conference, there's all these all-male panels, and they just say, oh, we can't find women. The women said no. They're really busy looking after kids. Oh, they're just not qualified for that panel. Oh, you just can't chuck a woman in there. Oh, she's not high profile enough. Oh, she's not the governor of the RBA. You know, she's only on the board. Um you, I spend my life hearing all these excuses and I'm just not interested. So one of the things we did was we worked with the male champions and we said, you need to take a pledge to say you won't appear on panels that are not gender balanced. And that is a really big thing to do. It's a very simple, symbolic thing. You need to actually stick to it. So, you know, that's also a work in progress. But the thing that's really made a difference is that they these senior leaders, male and female, but in this particular case, men, saying, I'm not going to turn up and you desperately want me to. So like the CEO of Commonwealth Bank says, I'm not coming to your conference to give the keynote because your conference isn't balanced. Well, you know, you're going to get gender balance. Um, So that's really fantastic. And the other part of that is sponsorship. I'm not going to sponsor your conference unless you have gender balance. And I've seen multiple conferences that I've been working with to get gender balance. And across three years, as soon as ANZ said, we're not sponsoring your panel until you have gender balance, we went from 19% to 44%. So it's amazing to see that the women are there and you can find them. And also the conference was way more interesting and people kept on remarking how fascinating it was and also great that there were women there. So it's not just about being a woman and it's not just about being a man, but it's the presence of diversity and having multiple perspectives and new perspectives from women who never get to be heard that really actually contributes to a fantastic discussion and means that we're far more innovative um, than we otherwise would be. And so that's something that is very heartening um, that I've seen happen. So in that sense, I'm so glad that Marion's List has occurred. Um, I know there's also one that's going to happen about economics. So there'll be women economists far and wide you cannot uh, avoid. And that's fantastic because there are many, many great women economists. Um, And the other thing I thought I might just add is that if we kind of have a property or built environment crowd, um, one of the myths that is often perpetuated is that women don't aspire to leadership or, you know, they're not as motivated as the men to want to be leaders because they're, you know, smarter than that. Maybe they want to spend their time doing something else better, which is just ridiculous. So we did, the Property Male Champions and um, Ernst & Young did a huge survey of their whole companies. And although it didn't, I don't think, include architects, it did include nearly every other uh, profession in the built environment. But there is a male champions architecture, so maybe they'll do one. Um, But the one thing that very strongly came through was that women and men equally aspire to leadership roles, to senior leadership. And the only thing that changes is that, A couple of years, three years, five years down the track, they look up, they don't see role models that are there who look like them and are like them. And so then they think, well, actually, I'm not very likely to be a leader. So they reduce their expectations of leadership over time. And that's really troubling. And we shouldn't be having that. And the one thing that will make a difference is by having women out there sharing their expertise on their day job, what they know best, which is not being a woman, it's being an architect, it's being a real estate agent, it's being an executive in commercial property. So that is what I hope will happen more and more and that we'll see things grow so that when we do our next report, it won't be so sad. Um, and I would urge everyone here to contribute because everyone has a lot to contribute. You may not think it yet, but once you do, you'll realise actually I've got something unique to say that no one else does because you all do. You all have unique experience. So write an op-ed, get out there and speak, say yes to everything and, um, you know, don't doubt your expertise. It's basically my view.
0: Thank you.
3: Yeah. I've taken Karen's yeah. mic away, so... Yeah. Oh, you can yeah. use that. Can you hear me? Is that all right? Thank you, Amy. Is that loud enough? Yeah. Thank you to the indefatigable. I knew when I wrote that word this morning I would regret it, and I do, but it's a good word for Justine, for Justine Clark, for inviting me to speak tonight. It gives me great pleasure to congratulate her on this initiative, to thank her and Peter Johns of Butter Paper, who I can see lurking around the back, and designer Catherine Griffiths, who's in New Zealand, for all of their hard work in making this new parlour product. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the country in which we meet and to personally offer respect and reconciliation with the Wurundjeri and Boonawurrung peoples and the Kulin Nation. This is a joyous evening with a slightly sad note. Peter Corrigan the eminent Melbourne architect passed away today. Those of you who know Peter will know that he was in turns charismatic and curmudgeonly. irascible, sometimes scary, but he was an immensely talented theatre designer, designer of buildings, bibliophile, raconteur, stylish writer and influential educator. So I just wanted to remember him here. So we meet in a pavilion in a landscape, which is a well chosen spot in which to remember Marion Marnie Griffin, after whom Marion's list is named. She was an American, but she was resident in Australia on and off for 24 years from 1914 to 1938. As many of you will know, Marion was a pioneering woman architect. She was the only the second female architectural graduate of MIT in Boston, and before teaming up with Walter Burley Griffin, her husband, she was a house designer in the Midwest, including designing a house for the Henry Ford of the Ford cars in Detroit, and she was a manager of Frank Lloyd Wright's Chicago office. In 1911, the Griffins won the international competition to design Australia's new federal capital which was formerly named Canberra in 1913. But they arrived here in Melbourne in 1914 and in those first few years, they lived in an apartment, which is still there, on the corner of Punt Road and Commercial Road. But they like to walk home from the city through these gardens, these gardens where we are, and then the botanical gardens. It feels perfect that we're here on this spot in the path that Marion and Walter walked across. In late 1924, before leaving for a temporary visit to the United States, Marion had a farewell garden party not far from here with tea served in the pagoda in the botanical gardens, as one did. The newspaper reported, quote, that the guest of honour, that is Marion, was attractively gowned. In a majestic, coloured, knitted silk frock, <laughs> With a cape effect <laughs> and a Tutankhamun turban. <laughs> Fab, if only there was a picture. There isn't. The great suffragette and anti war campaigner Vita Goldstein was amongst those present. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have a report on her outfit. Goldstein formed part of the circle of politically and socially progressive Australians that the Griffins gathered around them. In Chicago and Melbourne and Sydney, Marion was, quote, a builder of communities and connections in the words of American historian Alice Friedman. The Griffins established an architectural practice in Melbourne and would later move to Sydney and establish a practice there. In Australia, the Griffins pioneered experiments in domesticity and communal living in Ivanhoe and Castle Crag and Ranelagh as we now know because we have Victoria Grounds with us tonight who's just produced a book on that um, housing program down on the peninsula. Um, there'll be some more information to follow on the Parlour website. They pioneered standardised building production with their knitlock bricks and champion native landscaping, as well as authoring many key buildings, such as the Capitol Cinema and Newman College at the University of Melbourne. Marion was often overlooked or marginalised by those the, compiling the historical record. In honouring her, we give Marion renewed visibility, because strange as it seems, in 2016, that is... Well into the 21st century, we are still receiving press releases that refer to only one Griffin as the designer of the buildings that historians now attribute to the Griffins as collaborators in life or work. I'm not lying. We got one last week. And Justine issued a fairly exasperated tweet, which even I, as a technophobe, could understand, (laughs) when she wrote... (laughs) (laughs) ..FFS. Historians of the Griffins, as Alice Friedman notes, have had to look beyond the professional hierarchies of a male dominated profession, moving beyond who signed the drawing to try and reconstruct a tale of collaborative authorship. Architectural history, one of my niche interests, is an important part of architecture's public sphere. Who gets noted and ignored? Who is positioned as an agent of history? Marion's List is one way of intervening in the processes that give architects profile in their lifetime, processes that help form the first draft of history. Marion's List wasn't designed for historians like me to appropriate, but I'd like to suggest that it might be useful for that cause in the future. For a long time, the historical record on Marion Marnie suffered from many of the problems that continue to render women architects less visible in the public sphere including, firstly, the dominance of models of heroic solo authorship, which it's really hard juggling a speech in a microphone, which obscure workday collaborations and teams. And secondly, as Amy says, the failure to see women as leaders. In case you think we're exaggerating the continuation of these trends, let me draw your attention to a large public outrage that surrounded this year's Venice Architecture Biennale, which for those of you who don't know, is kind of like the Cannes Film Festival of the International Architectural World. With the curated theme of architecture as a social project addressed in part, and I quote here from the curator, to segregation, inequalities, and participation of communities amongst other issues, the director convened a panel of eight important architects to discuss the Biennale's themes through the topic of infrastructure. They were all men, all white, and all over 50. Which is a representative demographic for the upper echelon of architecture. But not so much elsewhere. The Mian Ali, or Man Ali, as we might rename it, furiously entered the social media world and Twitter sphere, where people vented their indignation and attempted to get their heads around this disjunction between the renewal of architecture's social project and architecture's blindness to gender and race in its own profession. Oh well. It's always easier to put someone else's house in order before tidying up your own. So we need to make the issue visible so that people can see it. So I've been engaging in a bit of critical analysis, (laughs) which some might call feminist whinging or even same old feminist (laughs) whinging. But the thing about parlour is it's predominantly positive tone. It's jolly hockey sticks. Oh, look, there's a problem and we're going to fix it. Attitude. Aussie, no worries, we'll sort it. Spirit. And believe me, people overseas keep saying to us, how did you do this? Parlour offers concrete solutions to seemingly intractable political positions. Lack of visibility of built environment, women professionals in the public sphere, tick. Lack of gender diversity on panels, juries, university lecture series, because we didn't notice until you publicly pointed it out. But then we will tell you that we asked one woman and she couldn't make it, tick. A familiar mythologised image of solo designers who produce statement buildings, in both the architectural community and the broader public sphere of media, tick. Instead, Marion's List offers a registry of women at work in the Australian-built environment, showcasing the familiar and the less-known women, giving us a portrait of the many skills that go into shaping our built environment. In this, Marion Marnie is also a perfect choice. She was a polymath. It's It's kind of overwhelming. A brilliant architectural renderer, a building designer, an office manager, a landscape designer, an urban-suburban designer, a writer and a political organiser and a friend. And she could carry off wearing a Tutankhamen (laughs) turban to a garden party in a pagoda. (laughs) Cheers to Marion. Let's toast her and the women of Marion's list.
0: Thank you both very much. Um, I don't know if anyone has questions or comments, but if you do, we can take some. Um, if you don't, we can move on to um, two more people and then wine. <laughs> what, <laughs> one, actually, one thing I would say is that the um, panel pledge is something that we're very interested in Um and which I think uh, is something we will do once Marion's List has some momentum. So early next year, or possibly mid-next year, if I just get run out of time, um, I think we will pursue that uh, initiative as our next initiative with Marion's List there as a support mechanism. So again, please sign up, because if there aren't women there, we can't point out that you're there. <laughs> Anyway, does anyone want to, um, you know, say anything? Questions? Yes, we do. Excellent. Ah, Jill.
2: (laughs) Um, No, sorry. It's it's hard enough counting architects, let alone builders. Didn't get on to that. I think... Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I think you can be on Marion's list, no problem. It's women in architecture, so you get yourself on there.
0: I mean, it, yeah, it's explicitly women in architecture in the built environment, so, you know, hopefully. Obviously, our audience is principally architects at the moment, uh, but it is, you know, we do always operate on a very inclusive model rather than an exclusive model, and we are interested in having women engineers and landscape architects and builders and QSs and goodness knows who, anyone. <laughs> Sorry, it's getting late. Um <laughs>
3: all right moving along
0: moving along amy muir where's amy muir here we have amy muir who will be much more professional than me
1: (laughs) (laughs) um okay so i was just sorry these speakers are strange aren't they they you don't stand them i think i'm I'm in the midpoint i'm in the midpoint it's all good No, it's all good. Um, So I'm on uh, Victorian Chapter Council and um, also the chair of the awards committee and there's two things that we're trying to um, basically, boost at the moment. We've got on Chapter Council out of 13, um, uh, basically representatives, um, we've got a ratio of out of 13, we've got eight females, um, which is fantastic, and that's the first time that that's actually occurred, which is great. Um, however, obviously, our agenda is to get 50 50, so it's not about getting an imbalance, it's about getting a balance. However, what we do find is nominations. So, nominations have now opened for Chapter Council positions for next year. Chapter council positions are for two years and we try to get a diversity of people in practice across chapter council in terms of representing small, medium and large practice. Um, We've got SONA representatives, we've got Imagine um, representatives as well. but, what's absolutely key is people nominating people, appropriate people that they think would um, be really good for these positions. What we do find um, is that females generally don't nominate themselves, so, um, or, you know, in the EOI process, and I'll talk about that in a minute, so the nomination process is a really good way of people actually acknowledging who's worthy of these um, positions. So. Um, basically get on board um, and start putting forward people, um, because the more people we have in the mix, the the, bit, um, the better the diversity. The other one is um, jury, uh, jury roles. Um, so for opening on Monday. We basically have, um, for a couple of months, we have an EOI process um, which traditionally has been put yourself forward um, for jury positions. Now, jury positions at the moment are for registered architects and members of um, the Institute. Um, what we're trying to do, and we've got to get this three national council, is trying to open up that, those roles to um, graduate architects so that we can get younger people in the mix or people who um, have a little bit less experience however having said that a lot of people who aren't registered architects can be 20 years in practice so it's not necessarily it's not necessarily the um a guide that we really want to be able to um, restrict people so we're really trying to open that up at National Council level Um, but the the other important thing is we've always had it as an EOI process so what we found was a month in last year so at the beginning of this year we had 8% women putting themselves forward for these jury positions so we eventually got to 30% with us rallying around and um, basically encouraging people to put their hands up for these positions. 30% is, obviously, we struggle with 30% because then we're um, what we're really wanting to get, we've got juries that are basically made up, typically if we have 30%, two males and one female. So what we're wanting to achieve this year is really a 50% ratio so that we get a mix across those juries, not necessarily a standard mix of two males, one female, that we're sometimes getting two females, one male, and then um, mixing that up across the juries. But the only way that we can do that is, um, we've found, is people, once again, putting, um, putting people forward. Um, so we're once again really encouraging people to put people forward um, that you believe would be um, good for those roles, and also put your own hand up too. So um, yeah, it'd be really great if you can all get involved. Thank you. Thanks,
0: put your hand up, okay. Now it's my great pleasure to invite Helena Bubica from AWS to um, wrap up the evening's proceedings.
4: Thank you. Hi, everybody. Um, oh, thank you. That's very. Thank you. I do feel like that lately. We need to sit down. Um, I. Usually do a lot of presentations on AWS. So I'm I'm from a company called Architectural Window Systems, um, and I do a lot of product type presentations. So tonight I'm I'm not here for that. So um, I really just wanted to say how uh, happy we are to be a sponsor of a, of the Parlour um, committee in the Parlour group. Uh, thank you all for coming. Um, what a great venue, um, and. Really great speakers tonight. It's been really, really interesting stuff, um, especially coming from a quite a, a different um, background. Um, and I also wanted to wish everybody uh, Merry Christmas. We've only got three more weeks until Christmas, so that's pretty scary. <laughs> pretty scary. <coughs> So um, enjoy the festivities. Um, there's some food and drinks. Um, so please stay on and um, network with with your mates. Um, <clears throat> the crowd tonight definitely. You guys don't drink much, so please utilise the, the sponsorship and um, get get up and go have a drink. So and one last thing, I just wanted to say it, I think we should all give. Um, uh, Justine, a round of applause for putting on this evening's event. Thanks, Justine.
0: And, and also, we need to give Peter Johns a big round of applause. <laughs> Marion's List and Parlour wouldn't exist without Peter, so thank you very much.